When Cora Logan's father had left them, she'd only been three years old. Therefore, it hadn't really affected her as much as it possibly could have. The same could not be said for Kate, Cora's divorcee mother. In fact, the only memories that Cora has of her mother at that age are of her crying everywhere. She cried in the kitchen as she prepared Cora's breakfast and lunch, cried as she cooked dinner and served up dessert, and even as she cleared the dishes from the table to wash in the sink. She cried as she ran Cora her nightly baths and tried to hide her tears by telling her daughter that the faucet was just left on inside her. Never leave the faucet on, Cory, she'd cautioned the little girl through her tears. It will only cause more damage. At the time, Cora had not understood what she meant, but she soon learned. On her first day of kindergarten, little Cora had been excited while her mother was clearly apprehensive. Cora had never been away from her mother for longer than a couple hours, and when the child embraced this new freedom, Kate came to dread it in the days before school began. She held on to Cora's hand as tightly as possible as they inched their way down the hall to Miss Sheffield's class, where children were already running and screaming, their hands waving wildly as they chased each other. Kate had seen their wild behavior and immediately had second thoughts about enrolling Cora. She was too young or too fragile or too quiet to be put in with the boisterous likes of these children. She would get hurt or worse. Kate had nearly tugged her right back out, but before she could take so much as one step back, Cora was tugging out of her embrace and heading straight for a game of Duck Duck Goose on the colorful carpet in the center of the room. Kate had nearly had a heart attack at the loss of contact, but Miss Sheffield had assured her that Cora would be safe in her hands. Kate could find no way to argue the point without sounding completely ridiculous and finally relented. She glanced one more at Cora's back, the head of tight brown curls shaking with her giggles as she chased a blonde boy around the circle, calming her just the tiniest bit she needed to walk out of the room. She didn't get a chance to see that same boy trip her in the middle of the room while the other kids laughed and little Cora Logan held back her tears. From then on, their positions on school were practically switched. With every single day, it became easier for Kate to leave Cora at school with kisses and promises to return, and with every single day, it became harder and harder for Cora to be at school, where the other children would trip her when the teacher was not looking, or call her names when she was not in earshot. Because of the little gap between her front teeth and the hot pink glasses she wore, and her larger-than-average ears, Cora was a constant target for children's cruelty. The only two people who didn't tease her, in fact— were Zane, a girl teased for her nappy hair and strange name, and Michael, who was tall and skinny and had messy blonde hair that pointed in many different directions. These two were her friends, for the most part, and they all sat together during lunch, ignoring the wrappers and bunched-up napkins that others threw at them while they ate. More than once, they made Zane cry and visibly upset Michael, but Cora barely glanced in their direction, her mother's words in her ear. Never leave the faucet on, Cory. It'll only cause a mess. Cora never cried. Never. Not when, in second grade, Tommy Centron threw a rock at her head that left a nasty bump and made her dizzy for the whole rest of the day. Not when Susie Mortimer spread a rumor that she lived in a tube slide in the playground because she was so poor she couldn't afford anywhere else, and the kids began to call her Cora the Pora, which wasn't very imaginative, but whatever. She never cried when the boy she liked asked her out in front of the entire class and then told her as loudly as possible that he was just joking and she was the grossest person he'd ever met. 
and especially not when she had to get braces in fifth grade and kept them on for the entirety of junior high up until tenth grade. That's when everything changed. The second she got her braces off and the little gap that had once plagued her and made her the butt of jokes, it became clear for most of her classmates, especially Michael, who grew into an even taller, somehow skinnier, nerdy boy, how dazzling her smile really was, and how nicely her naturally tanned skin glowed, and how truly marvelous her gold-green eyes were when they shone in the sunlight. Other girls envied her curls, which now cascaded over her shoulders, finally hiding her ears which still seemed big for her head and her height. She was still a head shorter than Michael, who remained her best guy friend, as nerdy and awkward as he was, but he was a whole head taller than Zane, who had become a petite beauty in her own right.